0: Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined, as always, by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, we made it to 50 episodes. How are we doing?
1: Unbelievable, folks. You know, Metcalf drops that bomb literally like three seconds before we hit record. And I'm like, whoa, it's number 50, and we're about to get after it with a little mock draft with Alex. I'm, I'm pumped for this one, boys. I feel like we haven't done enough with Alex on the pod. So um, I'm excited for, for this one. A little
0: bit more than usual. No offense, Metcalf. <laughs> the, 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 that that's fine a- a- alex is notoriously much better company than i am um, yeah I feel, and, I feel
2: like you guys need like a buffer between you two <laughs> at some point so we don't get like the old couple fighting uh in between picks here and in, draft. Yes.
0: In yeah exactly we, we we need something a little bit new but a- 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 as listeners have heard alex aka draft film school is joining us fellow no ceilings member alex how are you doing
2: Doing well, doing well. Excited to uh, you know do this you know first round mock right now. I haven't done one of these uh, in, in a while, uh, so you know excited to be on and looking to get after it.
0: Perfect. Well, before we dive into the mock and you know kind of go through what we would do if we were all these teams, um, it feels fitting that we just touch on our reactions to the early entry deadline. Um, Alex, was there anything that kind of jumped out at you, surprised you, anything you liked, disliked? Well, I mean, with the whole
2: Kendall Brown confusion kind of up in the air, it seems like it seems like it was just a mistake. It seems like he's staying in. Uh, that was the one glaring one. Uh, you know, obviously, Terquavion Smith uh, going back to NC State was a little surprising, especially given his combine performance. I think a lot of people thought he was going to be like a late first round pick at the worst. So him going back is a little surprising. Um, outside of that, there weren't too many shockers like Kenneth Lofton jr. Staying in, I thought was a little bit of a shocker, but he had a good combine showing, but at the end of the day, I don't know where he goes in the draft or even if he gets drafted. So those are like the handful of guys that I think were kind of surprises to me at least.
0: Yeah. I I think the Terquavion Smith one was the really big one that was like, oh, okay. And you know, now I think he's going to be a preseason lottery guy for, A lot of people going into next year. Um, The other two that really jumped out at me were John Butler staying in. I was fully expecting him to go back to Florida State, just improve his body, and then come back after a huge sophomore season. And then Marcus Sasser going back to Houston. Um, I really liked him in the second round. Uh, I think he probably would have been a first-round guy if he would have been healthy this year. But that Houston team's looking like it's going to be a lot of fun next year. Uh, Rucker, was there anything that stood out to you?
1: Yeah, Sasser was the big one that jumped out at me. I, I'm right there with you, Metcalf. I feel like we talked about him um, on one of our previous episodes because uh, I thought the same thing. If he was healthy all year, he could have been a first-rounder for sure. Um, I just absolutely love how he plays the game, and it's going to be fun to see what he can do uh, going back to Houston because I still thought there was a chance he would have been in an early second round. Like some team would have jumped all over that. Um Terkevion going back definitely was one of those like, whoa, okay, like that's a little curveball. So I'm um, excited to see what he does another year. The Kendall Brown thing, like Alex said, has been hilarious for the last hour. I feel like it's been like draft gate where we're like, okay, who's lying here? <laughs> but um, no, I mean, it, it's pretty much what you're expecting. Um couple curveballs nothing too crazy uh, after the, the Turkavion news i feel like everything else has been like okay i get it i'm i am with you though Metcalf about john butler i i was shocked when it said like he's standing i was like whoa because he's got the size but he's so skinny like he needs yeah. definitely some time to develop his body and strength so it's gonna be interesting he, he's gonna be another wild card maybe in that second round if someone doesn't you know draft him
0: earlier All right, well, let's get into this mock draft. We're going to do full first round. Uh, I think order is we're going to go Rucker first, Alex second, and then I will go third. And let's do it based on what we would do if we were these teams. Um, We'll we'll get around to one where what we think will happen a little closer to the draft. But let's let our opinions rule the day. So Rucker, the Orlando Magic, first up, who you got?
1: You know, I, I, I... I'm in a weird spot, and I'm excited to talk this out with you guys because I know you just said, like, what would I do is what we're trying to do. Like, what would we do? And Chet's been my number one guy all year, but I'm a little just shocked at how much buzz Jabari's getting, and I'm starting to warm up to the idea of, you know, the the philosophy of the Magic taking him at number one. I get it. I get the upside on both sides of the ball. I understand maybe if they're loving what they've had – last year with Wendell Carter and they're thinking maybe Jabari can play next to him and they got upside with the front court all of a sudden. Um, I get it. So, you know, I'm going to be a little, I'm going to change it up. I am going to say Jabari is going to go number one to the magic, even though I love Chet. I, I've had number one on my board all year, but I, I'm thinking this is going to happen. Um, I hope my opinion changes a little bit. I'm also just I'm a guy that watches the Vegas lines and, and it's unbelievable. Like Jabari is a heavy favorite right now. So um, I'm
0: excited to hear what you guys think about this. Okay. So you're making your pick based on a little insider trading. Got it. <laughs> no big uh, deal. Come after Come on, man.
1: No, I mean, but it's just, I want to do it now because I basically want to talk to you guys um, because I value your opinions. And I want to like, do we like it? Are, are we warming up to the idea? If this does happen?
0: and I, I I've liked Jabari all year. He's been number two for me for 90% of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I would still just go Chet. Um, I, I, I think Jabari's the easier fit, but I think Chet has some much higher upside. Um, but you know, he's been my one all year. I don't see myself moving off of that at all, but Alex, you just recently wrote a really good piece on Paulo going number one over at no ceilings, NBA.com. It's free. Go check it out. Subscribe while you're there. Um, so, Alex, would you lean Jabbar, you think in chat, or would you go Paolo?
2: Uh, I think I would go Paolo for the Magic. I think they really are just – they need some sort of offensive engine and shot creator and scorer. They were the second-worst offense in the league last year. I think Paolo can come in right away and be their number one scoring option. Not to say they'll be a good team or anything like that as the, as him as their number one scoring option, but I think – he would give them some much needed scoring versatility that this team needs. Um, I get the Jabari fit. I think Jabari fits with pretty much any team, just given his size, shooting defensive versatility. Chet just has, you know, unicorn potential. You know, I hate that term unicorn, but like he literally is like, we don't know what he's going to become at the next level. So the intrigue is there. And I think he has a higher floor than what people tend to think, just given the body concerns, but I really, at the end of the day, I don't, don't think you can go wrong with either three of these guys at number one.
0: Well, Alex, you do have the second pick with, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, would you go Paulo here or would you lean Chet?
2: So this is interesting because I was just on the topic Thunder pod last night and we were talking about, like, if Chet goes one, what would I do? And then in that situation, I would take Paulo. But I think I'm going to take Chet. At two, if he's on the board, I think there's enough intrigue. OKC really needs rim protection, some sort of you know defensive versatility at the five. I think Chet kind of fills that. He'd be a great pick and roll partner with SGA and Giddy. Can pick and pop, add much shooting at the big man position. OKC doesn't really have much shooting at any position, so I think Chet could could add a few things. Paulo, you already have really your offensive guy with SGA as a shot creating engine, you have your playmaking with Giddy and SGA. So Paulo isn't as needed his skill set. So I think Chet at number two here kind of makes the most sense. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah. And that, that, that's exactly what I would do. I think it fills a need and I think it's the, the higher upside for me personally. Rucker, where are you at? Yeah.
1: I, I think Presty would be pretty pumped out of his mind if, if Chet was still on the board there at two. Um, it, it really is going to be fascinating because we're, we're talking this all out. I like how the first pick, we all had our own different flavor. It's like, look at the versatility, folks. This is awesome. But um, I just wanted to bring up, like, even even Alex bringing up Paulo at one, I'm like, well, if they love Jabari, why would it Paulo be then, like, a, a heavier contender for number one? Because I agree with Alex. Like, they need that guy, and Paulo immediately could just be an offensive force. But – Staying at two. Yeah. I, I like Chet there a lot. I think him landing with OKC probably perfect for, for Chet to develop and and really have some patience to turn into the player. We think he could be.
0: All right. Well, at number three, I have the Houston Rockets and as tempted as I am to mix things up, get a little weird, maybe go Jaden Ivy and create the most athletic backcourt in the league, or maybe even take a bigger flyer on like a Dyson Daniels who fit wise, actually really like in Houston. And the, Apparently, I believe it was Gavone who was tweeting out that there that he's now getting top five buzz. Um, it's still a little too aggressive for me, and I still think Paolo's pretty clearly the best talent available here. Um, at his size, his combination of scoring in the mid range, in the interior, and then passing—I think that's a really fun offensive fit next to Jalen Green and Sangoon down low. Um, I think the defense will continue to be a disaster on that team, but. When, you, <clears throat> excuse me. when you're in the stage of team building that they are drafting for fit and especially defensive fit doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I think the home run swing on Paulo is a pretty no-brainer, even though it feels a little boring at this point and like he's kind of locked in based on reports. Do we think this is arguably Paulo's best fit in the top three? Like I
1: know Alex is saying about Orlando, and i I really do like it makes all the sense in the world if Orlando liked him, but if it doesn't happen, do you think there's an argument that like paula going to Houston might be the best thing for him?
2: i I don't know. I mean, Metcalf mentioned the defense, obviously, I'm a little higher on Paula's defense, but I think the Houston defense overall will still be pretty bad. You're gonna have a lot of young players who are primarily offensive guys when you're looking at Paulo, Jalen Green, uh KPJ, Alperin Sengun, Um, you know, the only one like defensive mind guy they have really on the roster is um Garuba, who didn't really play a ton. He got a little boom boom burn at the end of the season. But uh I don't know like how the fit will be, but at this point, Paulo I think is clearly you know the best on the board. And like Metcalf was saying, I think you just got to go best player regardless of fit. I do think that him and Jalen Greener could be a pretty dynamic duo. Kind of one is like a hyper-athletic guard. The other one is kind of a bruising, power-forward scoring option who could score at three levels. So I think it would be really, really intriguing offensively. And the defense is kind of up in the air.
0: Yeah, and if we're talking just purely fit, I I kind of like flipping – Paulo and Jabari, where you bring in Jabari's defense to the Rockets and then that off-ball shooting or him with that shooting playing off of Jalen Green, I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, and then Paulo as that kind of interior, you know, mid-range creator and scorer and initiator for Orlando while being pa- backed up by a guy like Wendell Carter Jr. defensively, I think that affords him a lot more leeway to expend a lot more energy on offense and be that hub um, and not worry too much about the defense Um, I don't think it's going to be a disaster for him defensively but I also don't think he's going to be a positive so I I think actually just flipping those two if we're talking purely fit would be a lot of fun in both scenarios
1: yeah I agree with you there I mean if, if if it came down to it and you did flip those I would probably be like those guys ended up in the perfect spots each and every one of them but I still could see Jabari being great for Orlando. It, it's just, just fascinating to me because I, I still love Chet there. It, but that's that's why we love this. We were expecting this curveball, this debate all year, and then now we know the order, and we're like, okay, it's even heating up more. So,
0: all right, number four, Sacramento Kings, Rucker. Who are you going with?
1: Yeah, if I realized you put me first just to <laughs> piss me off and make me go fourth with the with the Kings. Um, I hate this. Um, you know, I, I know everyone right now should know how I feel about Keegan Murray, but I, I'm tired of doing the same thing with mock drafts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get weird. I'm going to give Kings fans a headache. So we're going to take Jaden Ivey because he's the best player available on the board. I don't know what they're going to do with that backcourt, but I also think the Kings are in a spot where they just, if they believe Ivy's a potential star, they can't pass him up. And Who knows what happens with De'Aaron Fox? Maybe they look to trade him. Maybe they just want to keep adding talent and and upside. And um, I know Davion Mitchell showed really impressive strides the second half of the season. Who knows? Um, I I think that's going to be the hot spot to try to trade out. I, I still believe that that probably is going to be Sacramento's going to be active. Monty McNair is probably going to be in a spot where he's like, hey, let's get some more assets if we can move back a couple spots and make this a a little bit of a smoother pick. Like maybe they get Detroit or Indiana to, to come up from five and six to get Jaden Ivey if they want. But that's where I'm going for right now.
2: Cause we don't project trades here.
0: <laughs> Alex, how do you feel about that?
2: Well, as the person who's picking next, I'm upset because I wanted, <laughs> wanted Jaden Ivey next to Cade, but He's no, smart. I think, I think you throw out fit still with the Kings and you take Jaden Ivey. I think, Hit, the fit with Fox is obviously weird because they're both kind of these really fast guards who like to attack the rim. Neither of them are lights out shooters. I think Ivy's a better shooter but at the end of the day. I think you just take him. I think he's clearly better than the rest of the guys on the board. And he's like my top four is on a tier on his own. I have Jane Ivy kind of in that top tier, um, I see him, like, I could see a case for him going one, two, or three. Uh, you know, the upside with him and his athleticism is just a real game changer. And getting him at four, I think, is really good value in this draft.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I've i come around to not hating the fit as much as I, you know, initially did, Um And I think the reason for that is because I keep seeing all these arguments that Jaden Ivey has to have the ball to succeed. And I don't get that at all. He, that wasn't the role he played this year (laughs) and he succeeded quite a bit. Like the the way this guy runs off screens, runs in transition cuts, it's really effective. And his best shooting is as an off ball guy. So yes, I think he, you know, the, the bigger impact will come when he's on the ball because it, it's like that for everyone. But I think his off ball effectiveness is really, really good. And I selfishly, you know, I would love to see him in Detroit with Cade, but alas, Rucker is dashing our dreams. So yeah, uh, shake it up. Alex, who are you countering with?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna shake it up a little bit too. I feel like this might be a surprise pick, but I'm gonna go Bennett Matherin.
1: Whoa! it is. Here we go. All right. (laughs) The gates are open. Here we go, folks. Wow. So,
2: you know, I love Cade and I think he's going to be, you know, a star. And if not next year, you know, the year after. So I think you can draft for fit a little bit here. And I think he fit. I think Matherin fits right next to Cade pretty nicely. He's a really good athlete. Uh, we see him, you know, he's a great cutter off ball, uh, great movement shooter around screens. He can attack closeouts off the weak side. I I just think he's like the perfect fit right now. I, I would have taken J.D. Nivey. was on, on board, obviously, but, you know, I'm looking at the options. Um, you know, I do like A.J. Griffin a lot, but I think Matherin is just a better plug-and-play guy. Keegan Murray, you know – I don't know. I don't know, like, how he would fit overall with that team. I think I'd still go Matherin over those two guys. Those are the three guys that I think are kind of in contention for me at this pick. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, Detroit could be closer to contending than people think. Like, if Kate takes that next step next year and they're in the plane, it wouldn't really shock me. So getting a guy that from day one could probably be your starting shooting guard, I think is really valuable at pick five. And I think, him being like a 38% three point shooter off movement and just playing off of Cade would, you know,
0: pair pretty nicely in that offense. Rucker, you're the Arizona guy. You like that fit?
1: Yeah, I actually do a lot. Um, and, And I do think Detroit could shake things up like Alex is hinting, especially if the top four go in that order, because all it, you know, we see it every year with the draft, especially in the lottery. There's going to be a couple picks that are curveballs, like one or two, and and we're going to be all shocked. And, and I don't – I just like that fit. That is a good fit. I, I think Matherin would be what they need with what Alex is hinting at, where it's – he's tough. He can space the floor. He can get a bucket in a number of different ways. He's not afraid to go battle and try to extend possessions where it's, you know, attacking the glass, hitting the boards. I, I just think that could be a, a bit of a wild card where it's always like, okay, that's really where things could start getting interesting. Um, you know, and a name I also thought of is like, what, what if could Dyson Daniels make some sense there? Like I, I'm just saying like they could go a number of different directions. We've all been projecting like, oh, it's AJ Griffin, or it's got to be Shaden Sharp there. And maybe, you know, Weaver's not afraid to go a different route. And and Mathern would be a really nice fit. And I agree with Alex. I think – it would not shock me if Detroit really hits hits the gears and is rolling next year and makes that play-in tournament. All
0: right. At number six, I have the Indiana Pacers, and this is a team that needs some fun, some athleticism, and I think this roster is going to look very different this time next year, Um, and I don't think they're going to necessarily do a whole lot of winning this year, so I'm going to take – a big home run swing and go with straight and sharp and take the offensive upside, the athleticism, the, I buy the shooting long-term. Um, the defense is a disaster, but whatever. Um, if this guy hits his ceiling, he's, he's got legit 25 plus point per game offensive superstar upside.
2: I like it. No, I like taking the swing. I, I with Halburn in the mix. Now you kind of have your playmaking guard, uh, so I like Shaden Sharp as kind of playing off of him, getting good mm-hmm. looks. I think that could kind of help him ease into the NBA because, you know, he hasn't played basketball in a long, long time. So it's going to take a lot of time. So having that kind of release valve to, you know, be right next to him playing alongside, I think that's going to be really helpful for him. So I like that. Take the upside pick. They're kind of in, you know, not purgatory or no man's lane, but they need some sort of direction. I think this gives them that.
0: All right, number seven, Portland Trailblazers, who are apparently not for sale despite getting a $2 billion (laughs) bid today. Rucker, who are you going with?
1: Yeah, you must feel pretty confident to reject a $2 billion bid. Um, I'm taking Keegan Murray. I I think Portland would would love that addition right away. Um, Just a high intangible kid that could do a lot of stuff on both sides of the floor. would. Dame would absolutely love him. That would be a great addition for them. I know um, there's been rumblings with maybe they try to move that pick or something, but I I still think if Keegan Murray was on the board at seven, Portland would jump all over that and they're going to have a big off season with all that cap space, but that would be a a step in
2: the right direction. So I love that fit.
0: Alex, where are you at with Keegan?
2: Uh, I have him like right here on my board. So I I think it's, I think it's good value. I think, if Portland does want to be contenders with Dame and keep him long-term, I think Keegan is probably the best guy who's ready to contribute right away. So I think this pick just kind of fell into your lap. Honestly, I think there really is no other great options out there. I think Matherin would be a good fit. I think he would be good on the trailblazers, but uh, yeah, I think Keegan's a good, a good pick here.
0: All right. At number eight, New Orleans Pelicans, Alex, who you got? So this is tough. I, I,
2: I'm going to stop the AJ Griffin slide miniature slide. I'm going to go with him. I know the defense is not great. I know there are a couple injury concerns, but it tends, I mean, he put, it's a knee injury. Maybe it's an ankle injury in high school. So it's things that hopefully he can gain some more athleticism from. It's not like Michael board junior back situation or, or anything too, too major, hopefully, but. At the end of the day, he shot forty-five percent from three. I think he's a better athlete than what he was able to show at Duke this year. I think getting him, you know, alongside a true shot creating guard like CJ McCollum down in Portland and Brandon Ingram kind of he we saw him kind of play in that role alongside Paolo, being the off ball guy and knocking down shots, playing off spot up. So I think he kind of can fit in seamlessly. And then you just work on the defense um and try to get him to buy in defensively, play team defense. And not get lost, so I'm going to go with him. I think there's a lot of upside with him, and um, kind of take the defense for what it's worth.
1: Alex, you've been you've been bigger on the AJ train this whole year, right? Or am I getting yep. this confused? Where do you where do you have him on your board? You I am know, fifth. I'm fifth. Would it shock you if he goes? Metcalf asked me on uh, the last podcast we did when we were talking about like t- top ten wings. And he's like, would it, would it shock you if AJ goes, like, fourth to Sacramento or goes even that high? Like, would it would it really surprise you if someone's just like, I'm buying in on the star upside? Because I still think he has a lot <laughs> of game, like, waiting to, to be unlocked. And there's really fast. I'm watching him right now, and I've been a little bit lower. <laughs> yeah. And I've just been – I've been buying. Like, now I'm like, okay, I'm really starting to drink the Kool-Aid.
2: So, just Yeah, I think – I would be surprised if he went above Ivy. So if yeah. he went top four, I'd be surprised. But if he went fifth, I think there's a pretty drop, big drop off after four. Uh, so if he, if he goes five to Detroit, I think that wouldn't shock me. I think it would be more shocking if he kind of fell to like the late lottery than if he moved up in the lottery. Uh, so getting him at eight, I think, uh, is pretty good for New Orleans and gives him some floor spacing around guys like Zion. Um, hopefully Zion is back and healthy and ready to go next year, and we get to see him play basketball.
1: Because because he's wild, I, I I feel like AJ could go five to eleven, and it wouldn't yeah. like really shock me. But I, I'm like you, if you went late lottery, I'd be really surprised. Um, just because I think someone in that top ten is going to be buying. But enough, I'm not trying to get off track. I'm just trying to mix it up a little, guys. Keep you on your toes.
0: Well, we right. all know what this pick's going to be. Probably. Yeah, like let's okay, <laughs> move on. Who's ten? <laughs> so, is it, it, Alex stopped the AJ Griffin uh, slide? I am going to stop the Johnny Davis slide. And for many of yeah. you, this is a reach. Uh, for <laughs> me, it is a significant slide. Um, for, for me, this is just drafting best player available. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Spurs ended up going with like an, an Usman a new Jang or Dyson Daniels here. I think a Deserante Murray, Dyson Daniels defensive backcourt with Devin Vassell would be pretty nasty and kind of a lot of fun. Um, but I think Johnny has a lot of the a sim- lot more similar defensive impact that Daniels does um, with a higher offensive upside. So I, I like the way he fits into that roster, um, even though it's not necessarily a need. But I, I think he complements both Murray and Primo. All, uh, pretty well in the long long term. So going Johnny Davis.
1: Yeah, I, I'm still convinced that if he was on the board, I don't even know if the Spurs would let him pass because they might just be too in love with the type of kid he is and the player he is. But I could see that being Dyson, like you're saying. So Metcalf stops the slide. I get it. You get him in top 10. I'm still convinced you got a cut from the agent.
0: <laughs> Stay out of my pockets. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And and I, I'm just sick of seeing him go number 10 to the Wizards in every single mock draft I've ever done. So I, I had to force a mix-up. But Rucker, number 10, Washington Wizards. Who you got? Uh, I, I'm going to take Dyson Daniels here. Yeah.
1: I I, uh, I like that fit a lot for Wizards fans. I know some fans gave us some beef on our No Ceilings post saying that we were uh, confused by their roster and what direction they would go. And it's like, easy, guys. We're just saying like they – They could go in a number of different directions, especially when it comes to the best player available. And I think if Daniels was on the board, they would jump all over that. They would be like, who cares of our roster? We need talent. And Daniels has the talent to be one of the higher upside guys in this class. So that would be an easy selection for me. See, Wizards fans, just just come right at me. Come ask me. I got the answers.
0: No, so I I think I was the one who like explicitly said in that post, I don't understand what this team is doing, besides just <laughs> adding things. Um which is what they've been doing. Go look at their roster and tell me that they're just not adding things. Um but I, I I've always loved Dyson Daniels to the Wizards based on fit and talent. Um I just don't think he's gonna fall there on draft night. Um from an offensive standpoint, I think he's a perfect connector. At the point guard position, I think he improves their perimeter defense immediately. Alex, where are you at with Daniels? Yeah, I think
2: this is probably his best fit out of the top 10 group. But I do think he'll probably go a little earlier than expected. I do like him kind of playing next to Bradley Bill, as you mentioned, as a connector piece, can play, make and defend. Hopefully the shot improves. I'm, I'm, you know, higher on the shot than a lot more people. Uh, so I do like Dyson Daniels here at 10, I think. Kind of like
0: a no-brainer
1: pick. All right. Well, at
2: or sorry, Rucker, you, you no, got I, something?
1: well, I was just gonna say, um, because I just keep you know throwing tidbits, I'm throwing really hot questions right now. We all think he's gonna go earlier than this. Where do we think he could go? Like, what would surprise us? Like
2: I think you New need, Orleans, I think yeah. he can go there. I think even if Indiana, you know, takes a swing on him at six. I don't see Detroit going for him at five, but I think maybe yeah. six, seven, eight range you can go. Yeah,
1: I feel like Indiana is the name I haven't really been focusing on enough, but I just was looking at that. I was like, Indiana might throw a curveball and, and be intrigued with him. I could see that. So, all right, McCaff,
0: keep doing what you're doing. All right, someone's got to keep this train on the tracks, uh-huh. <laughs> Alex. Number 11, you're New York Knicks. Uh, just so you're clear, Ty Ty Washington is still on the board as is Kennedy Chandler. Uh, I, I believe J.D. Davidson's name also hasn't been said. So if you need uh, a point guard, I think there are a few options. No pressure. Who, who are you going with? That coffee has been waiting to use that joke for at least 48 hours. So I, I've been rehearsing it and everything. <laughs> yeah,
2: great delivery. It was, it was perfect. So this is my nightmare scenario for the Knicks at 11, like all, all my, you know, top 11 guys are gone or top 10 guys are gone. Uh, So I'm going to take the home run swing, go Ushman Jang. Um, I would not draft for fit right now. If I'm the Knicks, you don't know what's going to happen with Julius Randall. If they trade Randall, then what does this team look like next year? What do they get back for Randall? So there's just a lot of things up in the air. So I'm going to go with the highest upside guy right now, who is, uh, you know, Jang is just very intriguing. 6'10", playmaking, guard, wing, forward. Um, really came on at the end of, you know, the LBL uh, NBL season this year. Um, I think he can shoot the ball or shoot it enough. And I really like his passing, playmaking. He definitely needs to bulk up and work on his finishing. That's kind of the, the biggest red flag for him. But at the end of the day, I think, Right now, the way the draft fell at 11, I think you just take the highest upside guy, and that's that's Jang.
0: Rucker, we, we've both talked about our complete 180 that we've done on Jang. Um, Fit-wise, home run swing-wise, just best player available. How, how do you feel about that?
1: It's a name we haven't really connected to the Knicks um, mm-hmm. a whole lot, which is I love doing mocks like this because it's like educate all of ourselves about what could happen, what could be the curveball, like pre- prepare for doomsday, you know. And it's <laughs> like Alex said, you you look at the board and it'd be like, okay, the Knicks would be in a tough spot. This would be the perfect nightmare, like Alex is saying, because you'd be like, oh man, what direction do we go in? Um, you know, last draft they traded back a couple times. Maybe they would try to do that. Get get a couple of additional assets, but um, I, I still think that would be a really fun um, piece because it's like Alex saying, like that is a upside swing, but you don't know what this roster is going to look like. Um, Randall is definitely the elephant in the room. They got to figure out if they're going to keep him there or try to see if they can get someone to, to buy on acquiring them. But, um, you know, Jang there makes some sense to me. I, I would get excited about that if I was a Knicks fan. They could go Malachi Branham there. They could go Mark Williams, but I, I like it. I, I like changing it up a little bit. So, you know, Alex is smart. What a shocker.
0: It's so annoying. Man. God. Well, I got are the glasses, glasses on. on? So- yeah, yeah. he put the glasses <laughs> trick on. Everyone.
1: They're like superpowers, basically Superman, <laughs> like Clark Kent.
0: All right. At number 12, I have the Thunder, uh, who previously took Chet Holmgren. Um, I'm – Super tempted to go Jalen Duran or Mark Williams and just the weirdness and just absurd rim protection that that would create. Um, But I think I'm going to go down a spot in the rotation and go with Jeremy Sohand. Um, I think he just, the versatility with this guy, I think is really impressive. And if the shot ever comes around, then I think he's going to be incredible. But even if it doesn't, I still think that he moves well enough without the ball is a good enough passer, is active enough with screening and relocating um, that he's not going to be this total negative on offense. And then just the defensive versatility, both on and off ball. I think it will be really impressive, especially when you pair him with Chet Holgren. So yeah, I like huh? it.
2: I like it. I think you got your four and five of the future defensively and I think he's got a little more of his offensive game to unlock, Uh, obviously the shooting, but yeah, I know. I like it. I think this is a solid pick. I I would go Sohan over the two centers uh, if if they end up going Chet with uh, number two.
1: Yeah, I like that fit a lot. I I mean, that is a Sam Presti special. He would leave with two defensive, just upside monsters. And um, like Alex is saying, there's your five and four. You just get – now you have a real core to continue building off of and, like, Sohan, Holmgren, and Giddy with their playmaking. And, and oh, that would be fun. I mean, yeah, Thunder fans should, should get on board with that combination because that also could be – it's just funny because doing all these mocks, like, that is another guy that he could go there or he could go sixth. And I would be like, it, it, that's how this draft is shaping up. It's going to be wild. There's going to be some fireworks.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm on the board, huh? Real quick. I want to get your guys's no. thoughts on Sohan's <laughs> shot. I'll, I'll just mute you. It's fine. <laughs> you couldn't, if you tried, no, go ahead. <laughs> well, just where are you at with his jumper? Cause I I've seen a lot of very different views on it.
2: Alex, I, go ahead. I think he's got, so I'm not like a mechanics guru or anything like that, but I will say, I don't know how good of, of touch that he has. Uh, the free throw percentage was in the 50s, I think. Um, so that's not a great indicator. You know, he did show some signs of hitting, you know, open spot up threes and like open like mid-range uh, jumpers. So I think, he'll, I think he'll get to a decent enough point where he just brings so much defensively that you just take the hit. I don't think he'll ever be like even a league average three-point shooter. I think he can get to like, low 30s which might be good enough with everything else that he brings you but that's kind of where I'm at with with his jumper and overall kind of touch on the offensive end
1: yeah I'm in the same boat I I mean I'm like agreeing with Alex I think he's never going to be a guy that is just like bombs away all the time but I think he's shown the ability to like when he's wide open he has the confidence to take it it's like what we've talked about before Metcalf when we're talking like Kendall Brown has that hesitancy so hand we'll, we'll let it fly. Like, and I think I still believe shooting is if, if you have the solid foundation, it's something you can improve quickly going to the NBA level. Cause you're going to be working on it every day. That's going to be your focus shooting coaches and assistant coaches are going to be hammering it home all day at practice. So I think he'll be at that spot where we'll be respectable where like he can at least stretch the floor a little bit, um, but you know the free throw percentage is definitely something that you're like, okay, that's got to change because you can't just all of a sudden not be able to be on the floor at the end of the game. But his defense is special, his playmaking upside special, so it, it just might be one of those things where you're biting the bullet with it and loving the rest of the tools. All right, number
0: thirteen, the Hornets, Rooker, Where
1: are you going? Um, yeah, I I can't pass it up. I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Mark Williams here. Man, and I know like they could take a, if they wanted to add a wing and they were afraid Cleveland might take who they want, they could take him at 13 and try to get a big at 15. but I, I still think Mark Williams makes the most sense there for Charlotte, because um, he's just going to be able to contribute right away. He's going to be ready to roll, and him and Lomelo will be very, very fun. So I'll, I'll keep be... it short and simple.: All
0: right, love it. Uh, number four at 14. Cavaliers, Alex. What direction are you thinking?
2: I'm going to go Malachi Branham here. I think this team needs some sort of floor spacing at the guard wing position right now. You know, especially if they're going to continue like starting the Coro, who you know isn't the best shooter at the three spot. You need something alongside Garland to just spread the floor a little bit. Especially if you're playing Mobley and Allen a majority of the time, the spacing can get tight. You want as much space when you're running these pick and rolls with Garland. So Malachi Brandon, I think, can do that. I think he can also run like second side pick and rolls with either of their bigs. I think they can run a lot of fun sets on offense. And I think he just fits seamlessly alongside kind of what they want to do moving forward. And I think they're in a spot where they can draft for fit. Um, You know, I have Jaden Hardy right now, like sitting at the top of my board, but I view him as more kind of an on-ball creator than Branham and they already have Garland so I'm going to go down to the next guard on my list and go Branham.
0: Rucker, do you think Branham has a shot to break into the top 10 or do you think this end of lottery mid-first round is more likely? I do. Um, he's another guy that could be a little bit of a dark
1: horse to just kind of, we're, we're watching the draft and all of a sudden his name's said, and we're like, whoa! Someone someone was buying in. Someone went all in on Branham because he's been one of the hottest names. He just keeps buzzing. Um and you never really know. This time of the year when you have a stock like that that's just sizzling, it could carry you in a hurry. Um, you could start getting into that top ten. And he's been trending as a lottery guy. So it, it would not shock me like, you know, I, I know we projected Johnny Davis to the Spurs at nine. It wouldn't shock me if they just loved him and somehow took him um, you know, even like we said before, maybe the Knicks at 11, but I do think he could get into that top 10 because he just has some real special tools, uh, offensively to be kind of a weapon.
0: All right. At number 15, I have the Hornets second pick, and I'm going to go with another guy who I think is pretty plug and play. Um, Otrag Baji. Um, I I love this kid. I think his developmental story is incredible, just the way he transformed his game from a freshman to now. Um, And I think he's one of these guys that you can put in immediately and he'll be an awesome off-ball scorer, awesome lob option for Lamelo, and then just play really good defense. Um, Alex, I I, I haven't seen where you're at with Ochai recently. Where are you at with him?
2: So I have him a little lower. I have him at 22 on my board. Uh, I get the intrigue of a plug and play three and D guy, but he's not the biggest guy. Like if he was like six, seven, uh, then yeah, I think he would probably go top 10. Uh, He's a little bit smaller, not a ton of like on ball creation, but I don't really think you need him to. So I I do actually like his fit a lot. You know, next to a ball, you know, we, gave him Mark Williams before. So you could kind of see the lineups in your head kind of really forming nicely together. And I think he kind of adds, you know, it's funny enough that veteran presence as, as a rookie next to LaMelo and he's just a solid foundational kind of piece moving forward for them. And I think gets them kind of, you know, on track to being the in or maybe even make the playoffs next year.
0: Number 16, Atlanta Hawks, Rucker, who you got? I hate this pick folks. I really don't. <laughs> I don't like the board at all. Um
1: there's just some names falling down too that I'm like Yeah. Um It's ugly, but I'm I'm going to take Tari Eason here. Um I I know they took Jalen Johnson last year. I understand every Hawks fan pointing me out and saying that, but I do think Eason the Hawks have a lot of talent and they got a lot of offense, but they need to get some guys with some defensive versatility. And, and I really do think like Eason has the talent to, to be a really, really nice weapon. Like, I think teams need that, that versatile defender. Like when you have plenty of offensive firepower, you need that guy that doesn't need to get a bunch of buckets and he can just lock in and, and We've seen Eason can do some some special things in limited minutes. He was coming off the bench for LSU this year. He put up crazy numbers um, in limited minutes. So I think with, with how the board's looking right there, that's probably the direction I'd lean. Um, I know I'm not in love with it, but I do think that just could be a
0: spot where they go with it. Eason seems to be one of these guys where people are either all in and have him in the top 10 or – just really skeptical and have him like in the 20s. Um, Alex, what are your kind of views on Eason's game?
2: I like Eason a lot. I think he brings a lot of defensive energy, transition, getting out, grab-and-go ability. I think he has some on-ball game on offense to unlock at the wing forward position. That's pretty rare. Uh, I am a little worried about kind of his touch overall and shooting, but I think the shooting will get there. To a respectable level at least uh you know playing off a guy like trey young where defenses are gonna sag off and go to him a lot i think he'll get open looks be able to attack closed out so i actually do like the the fit quite a bit and he brings some you know much needed defensive versatility to to atlanta and kind of fits with you know alongside their other big men on the roster uh with kongwu uh and capella if he stays so i think he can get minutes right away and i think he can contribute
0: well, at number seventeen, the Houston Rockets. Alex, who are you going with? So we gave him Paul
2: up earlier. They just drafted Shangun and Garuba <laughs> last year, so why not add another big? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Jalen Duran. Uh, I'm gonna just stop the Duran slide. I think yeah. he has a better chance of being kind of like a fun, to, like foundational big man rim protector than the other two centers that they drafted or big men that they drafted recently. So you pair him with Paulo, I think, you know, we saw Apollo, you know, played with Mark Williams last year, who is very similar to what Jalen Duran brings you on defense and on offense. So I think he'd be used to playing with a guy like that. And I think he gives them some much needed rim protection because I don't think they're getting it out of anybody else. And we haven't even mentioned Christian Wood yet. So it's just, very loaded uh, front court for them, but you know I think Christian, Christian Wood is probably going to get traded at some point, and uh, you know I don't know if they're going to fully be invested in Garuba moving forward. So I think I think Duran here is you know an upside swing, but also can kind of fit a need as kind of a true rim protector.
0: So I I would be pretty stunned if Duran ends up falling this far on draft night. So R- Rucker, as we're going through this exercise, why has he falling so far?
1: I I think it's really important for everyone listening um, to understand that there's always a guy that falls and and it's, I could see Duran going top 10 easily because we've talked about this before, like front offices drool over guys that are athletic bigs with size that are freak of nature, you know, specimens. And and Duran's probably going to get someone foaming at the mouth for a front office, but you know, if he went early, some other name might fall. Like, it's just there's always a guy that, that slips through the cracks. And Duren's young. He's raw. He's going to need time to um, really develop. Um, he's going to need a patient organization. Like, he's going to be 18 years old when he plays his first NBA game. That's This is insane. Like, he is going to be a project. So, do I think he's going to go 17th, actually, on draft night? Probably not. He's probably going to go earlier because – he also, if he was falling, someone might trade up. Someone might be like, hey, we can go get a guy we thought we had no shot at. But um, like I said, if it's not Duren, somebody else on the board could be falling. Um, you, you just really, really never know. And this is why I think it's important to do these kind of different mock drafts with different looks and players going places because things could get crazy this year, especially this class.
0: All right. at number eighteen, the Chicago Bulls. I was about to pounce all over Duran. Um, I w- would have loved that for them, but I'm going to go with a guy that Rucker. I I actually kind of threw this question at you our last episode, and I'm going to go with Jaden Hardy. Um, I think yes. that he his. I really like him as an off-ball scorer. Um, I think he'll play really nicely off of, uh, Derozan and um Lonzo um and then Lonzo's and Caruso's defense will compensate for him and then it makes Kobe White a little bit more expendable who's never really found his stride in Chicago um Rucker you've been you know the quote-unquote Jaden Hardy guy uh, no ceilings all season um how do you feel about that fit
1: yeah, I think that we, we hinted on it last episode. This is where the range could get really interesting if he's still on the board. It wouldn't shock me if he somehow goes earlier than this, even with all of the the buzz that he might go way later. I still think someone's going to be buying in on the – the upside and and in Chicago, he could just be a lethal weapon off the bench in the rotation, just a floor spacer that plays off the ball. Alex, you were hinting earlier that you're a little high on Jaden Hardy too. Do I I have a
2: new favorite person at no ceilings? What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm back in with Jaden Hardy as like a, like a fringe lottery guy. So I, I was never really a Jaden Hardy guy, even coming into the year. I thought he was just kind of this inefficient, you know, chucker, but I really, really liked his second half of the year ignite tape. I thought the playmaking really popped, you know, the the shot started to go a little more. He was a little more comfortable. He was getting to the rim. The finishing still needs work, but he, at least he was getting there. Uh, the defense is still kind of a bit of a mess, but at the end of the day, he was playing in a pro league at 18 years old and he put up solid numbers. The efficiency numbers are ugly, but if you look at the latter part of the season, they got better and they, you know, similar to like Dyson Daniels, I feel like the, everyone on the ignite kind of improved throughout the season, so that was good to see. So, yeah, see, I see him as kind of this nice combo guard, and I think you know him going in this spot, I think is is pretty fair. I think he's definitely a top twenty guy. Um, so him going, what are we at eighteen now, um, seventeen, wherever we are, I, I think this would be kind of a, a good pick right here for him to land
0: at. Number 19, the Minnesota Timberwolves Rucker. Don't fuck it up.
2: No, I I'm so
1: pumped with Alex's little spiel right there. I was wondering if we could just have him re-say that all over again word for word, because that was just beautiful. I'm happy now. This is this is the best (laughs) podcast we've ever done. Um, I'm going to EJ Liddell. Let's let's not sugarcoat this. if this is the dream, I think, for Timberwolves fans. If EJ fell um, down to here, but this is also another guy. I would not be surprised if he went way earlier. Like I I think EJ's buzzing too. So there you're gonna hear this often, folks. Like, there's a lot of guys in this class that are buzzing and, and they could go so much earlier, they could be a shocker to some fans that are like, What? He, you know, some big board had him at twenty-three. How did he go fourteenth? Like, it's just a crazy year. It's gonna be awesome. But in Minnesota, I, I love that fit the most for Liddell. I think that would just be awesome because he's a little undersized for a, a power forward, but he makes up for it with basketball IQ, feel. He's a lethal shot blocker, and he can really shoot it from outside. So it would just be a, a great get for the Timberwolves.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely love that fit. Um, I, I think he's going to be one of these guys that's basically plug and play too. Um And I think the shooting improvement he showed this year was really legitimate. Um, I know he still shoots kind of a flat ball, but it was on pretty good volume. And as a spot-up guy, as a pick-and-pop guy, um, I think he's a really good screener. Um, And then, yeah, he's a little undersized, but he plays so much bigger than he's listed. He's so stinking strong, uh, really good vertical, great instincts and discipline on shot blocking. So in terms of you know, even just based on talent and like best player available, he's not that far off at the spot for me right now. Um, and then I'm fit. It's just ideal. So I thank you, Rucker. You, you, you're welcome. you didn't screw it up. You're, you're allowed back for next episode. Um, it's like,
1: it's like Cinderella getting the glass slipper. That's how perfect it'd be.
2: I'm here all night. Thanks guys.
0: All right. At number 20, the San Antonio Spurs, Alex, who you got?
2: So we gave them Johnny Davis earlier. So, you know, I think they're, they're pretty much, they have a bunch of different guards in the stable. I'm going to go, this might be another wild card pick. I'm going to go Jake LaRavia out of Wake Forest. I think he's just, you know, you talk about everything we just talk, said about EG Liddell. I think it's pretty similar story with Jake LaRavia, you know, not superior athletes. Uh, you know, they're both pretty good shooters. Uh, they just do the right things. They're in the right spots defensively. They give effort. I think the versatility that he showed at, at Wake Forest, you know, he was guarding guys like Paulo, he was guarding, you know, switching out on the perimeter. He's a little slow feet, and I think he'll probably get burned if he's doing that in the NBA. But I do think that he's strong enough to kind of hold his own down low uh, and kind of guard, you know, fours and, you know, threes, some of the bigger threes. So, I really like his just offensive and defensive versatility and what he brings. And it just seems like the kind of guy that the Spurs will just bring in and kind of make this like elite role player out of.
0: Rucker, where are you at with Lou Ray I just
1: think teams are going to be, that's where you get to the range of the draft, like that 20 to 30, that if you could get a guy that checks a lot of boxes where he could come in and contribute with just being a smart player, like giving you a boost in your rotation with some upside still. And, and I like Larivia the way he plays the game. I think he's like Alex said, like he's not going to wow you with his athleticism, but he's, he's a gamer. He's a grinder. He's going to work. He's going to do everything he can to, to help the team be better. Um, I I just really like him. I think that's the range. Like he's been a popular name. We, we think he maybe has a promise um, because he shut down early at the combine after, you know, impressing. So, Yeah, I I think that's the range where some people might think that's a little rich, but if you're getting intangibles and a guy that's just going to help you push the needle forward, like I think that's a good pick. All
0: right. At number 21, the Denver Nuggets. Um, Really torn here. Uh, A couple different ways I could have gone, but I'm going to take a home run swing on a wing and hope that kind of culture irons out a lot of his bad habits. And I'm going to go with Bryce McGowan's.
2: Wow. Okay. I
1: feel like you're slowly buying a little bit more Bryce McGowan's stock, like maybe some insider trading. You're just like sort of like (laughs) going behind the scenes because you, you, I feel like you're, you're drinking a little bit more Kool-Aid each day or each time we do a pot.
0: I, so I have him 27, on okay. my board, but in terms of just absolute home run swings, I think he's probably the best available in this class. Um, I don't think there's really a middle road outcome for him. Um, I wouldn't shock me if he's a twenty to twenty-five point per game scorer at his peak. Um, it also wouldn't completely shock me if he kind of struggles to get a second contract because the shot selection never improves, the outside shot never falls, and the defense never improves. So. I I think he's kind of risky, but I like that he's going pro this year because I think a lot of those bad habits would have just gotten a lot worse with another year at Nebraska. Sort of like that fit with Denver,
1: too. We haven't really ever connected those two, and I kind of like the idea of him and Bones off the bench might be a really nice little surge of weaponry. So, okay, Metcalf, I I see you working.
0: (laughs) All right, at number 22, Grizzlies Rucker, who you got? I'm gonna take uh
1: one of my favorite guys that I still think could go a lot higher than this. I'm gonna take Dalen Terry for the Grizzlies. I absolutely love that pick. Um, I think it's gonna, you know, I mean, I made it so oh, I that's it. so smart. I, well, I just I made it so it's a good pick. Um, no, but being serious, like I, I just like the fit a lot. Um, we don't know what's gonna happen with Tyus Jones, but. Terry is exactly the type of guy the Grizzlies have taken. It's the upside swing, it's the developmental piece. Um, and, and he can be a, a real good asset. Like there's some there's some ability for him to be a perfect fit with that team just because of his playmaking, his his nastiness on the defensive side of the ball. He plays with a lot of emotion. So yeah, I like that I like that pick, you know, mainly because I made it, but I like it.
0: All right, uh, now yeah, it's I right, think that, ahead,
2: Alex. No, I think that's a good fit. I think he fits like the the Memphis grit and grind. Like, you know, he's just a he's just a dog. He's gonna give 110% effort. Him and you know, John Moran are gonna probably go after each other and practice and make each other better. So yeah, I like that fit a lot.
0: At number twenty three, the Philadelphia 76ers. Nice. I would be surprised if they uh kept the pick because Daryl Morey is allergic to them. Um but Alex, who are you going with?
2: Yes, yeah, so I'm going to go with the guy who I thought Rucker was just going to take and go with everyone's combine darling, Jalen Williams. There you go. Santa Clara, Clara Jalen Williams, not Arkansas. <laughs> um, I think he – him and Maxie, I think would be kind of a, like a dynamic duo in the backcourt. Uh, obviously James Harden is there now, but I think he can play a complementary role off of either of them. Super long, uh, you know – Defense, I think, is pretty solid, and probably be the best defending guard they have outside of like Matisse Stebel. But at least on offense, he can give you some floor spacing, which is desperately needed for this team. Uh, and it could be a, like a two way guard for them. Uh, they don't have to give up anything really much on defense when they're trying to add in a little bit of shooting with you know guys like Cork Moss or something like that. So I think it'll be an upgrade in, in terms of that. So I kind of like the fit, and I think he's you know more of a plug and play guy than people might think, and you know going into a good team with with the Sixers, I think he'd be able to get, like, playoff minutes in year one.
0: Rucker, you've been super high on Jalen since November. How how do you like that fit for him? Well, first of all, I'm proud of you for
1: having the curveball of, being ready with the Sixers being there. I thought you were going to say the Nets. I was going to jump all over you. So pr- I'm proud of my co-host. You it's do like a good we job. haven't done 50
0: episodes. Well,
1: you're just always <laughs> prepared, and I always underestimate you. So I'm sorry. That's my bad. Um, you know, it, Philly now is in a – I like that they're in the draft because I think they're in a good range to get some depth. Like, they, they need to get some more pieces. And if Jalen was there, that would be just a fantastic addition for them um, because I'm – I'm right there with Alex. What a shocker. He's just really smart, but I think Jalen would be a really good piece for that rotation um, alongside Maxi. you know, obviously um, Harden's supposed to be there, but that's getting another weapon um, in your rotation and he can play multiple positions. He's got the ability to, or the upside to be a good defender. I know some people are like, he can't defend. And it's like, go, go watch his freshman year film and you'll, quickly understand that he can defend like they've asked him to do a lot. So um, I like that. That's, that's a good fit. All
0: right. Well, I was really hoping that he was going to fall to 24 to the Milwaukee bucks. Um, I don't love this board right now for the bucks. Uh, they desperately, as we saw in the, the playoffs, they really need someone who can kind of create their own shot. And I'm not sure that guy is here, but long-term I'm going to go tie Ty Washington as just someone who can run the pick and roll spot up um, and just kind of be uh, a, a good connecting piece while also having that mid range scoring outside shooting uh, combination that hopefully develops into a little bit more of, you know, on ball creation in the long run to take some of the load off of Giannis. Um, Rucker, you and I talked a couple episodes ago about how quiet Tie Tai's camp has seemed to seemingly been. And then, a shooting video immediately dropped. So I appreciate all of yeah. everyone in Ty Tai Washington's camp listening. Um, but <laughs> a- a- Alex, <laughs> a- Alex, where are you at with Ty, Ty
2: Yeah, I have him a little bit higher in this range though. So I think if he fell here, I think obviously he's coming into a really good situation in Milwaukee. I think he can be a role player in that team from day one, can provide some floor spacing, some playmaking uh, a little bit of, you know, Florida game, mid-range pull-up type of uh, offensive game. So I, I think Milwaukee would be happy if he was still on the board. I do think he, he'll end up going a little earlier. Uh, as you mentioned, it is has been quiet. So I don't know if that's like they've got a promise a little higher up. So they're not like, you know, pumping out the, the media and everything. So we'll see where he actually ends up. But anywhere in like the 10 to 25-ish, or not 10, 20 to 25-ish range, I think that's kind of where he'll probably fall on draft night. So this is right there.
1: I, I don't know if I'm making this up because Metcalf, I, it, it was fascinating. It was just hilarious. Like the next morning there was a clip and we're like, okay, seriously, thank you, Tai Ty Tai's camp for <laughs> listening. We, we appreciate it. You guys are welcome anytime. But I feel like I saw somewhere that like someone reported that his, his stock is cooling. Um, like, maybe he's expecting to go more towards the later part of the first round. I might be hallucinating. That's this time of the year. Like I've watched so much film and read so many dang, you know, articles and stuff about the draft. So maybe I'm making this up or I dreamed it, but um, it wouldn't shock me if he goes earlier, like Alex said, but it also like, it could be a blessing if he goes later because him going to Milwaukee would be outstanding for him because he's what they need. and, And he, his strengths would be perfect for them. They need a guy that can play with feel and, and control the pace and also
0: space the floor. He'd be great in the rotation. So, all right, at twenty-five, the Spurs are back on the clock. Rucker, who you got? Oh, dang it! I
1: didn't know <laughs> I had the third part of the Spurs kicker. Um, so we got Johnny at nine, and then we took Lake Forest Laravia Mania at twenty okay um let me look at the board and this is getting a little weird now um gosh I mean I, I'm gonna oh this is gross i I'm gonna do it I can't stop doing this I, I'm gonna take Patrick Baldwin jr here i I just I don't know other direction they would go. Like, the, that that's the upside. That's the value. That's the swing. I i, I mean, I could bring up five other names, but the problem with the Spurs is, like, I would love Max Christie here, but are they going to have 19 guards on the roster? What's going to happen? So I'm going to take Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, I'm still fascinated. I think we all are to see what happens with him on draft night. Um, is he really going to slip to the second round? I still think some front office is going to say, like, Enough's enough. If he's in the twenties, they're going to be like, we've seen this kid from high school. We've seen him overseas. He had a nightmare year. I mean, we saw last year Zaire Williams had one of the ugliest college seasons in terms of like efficiency and he goes 10. So I still think someone's going to buy on Patrick Baldwin.
0: Alex, are you selling all your PBJ stock? Have you, have you just thrown it all out or are you kind of sweeping up the penny stocks?
2: I have I have him at twenty four, so I'm I'm holding strong on that late first round grade with him, uh, and I think him falling to the Spurs would be great. They'll hold him accountable. They'll help develop him. I think if you know he, he would fall into a great situation, and I think it's something that he needs, uh, and just get his confidence back. Uh, you know, he had I think he had like ankle injuries all last year too, so just get healthy. Um, you know, get back to that shooter that you were in high school and being a knockdown guy. And uh, I think on the Spurs, he will be able to get some minutes. Um, And even if he has to play in the G league a little bit, just to regain his confidence and coming back from a weird year at Milwaukee, I think this is a really, really good landing spot for him. And I think the Spurs would be happy getting kind of a developmental project uh, with him and, who was seen as like a top five guy coming into the year and getting them at 25, I think, I think would be huge.
0: All right. At 26, Dallas Mavericks, Alex, who are you going with?
2: I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there was news today that the Knicks hired Jalen Brunson's dad to be an assistant coach. So his this, future with the Mavs. Up in there, yeah. Oh well, no, it's, yeah, they like his coaching a lot. Yeah. Um so will Luca need like another ball handler next to him to kind of ease you know the burden, especially during the regular season. Ideally you'd want that guy to be able to shoot a little bit. Uh oh, man, I don't want to do it, but I'm gonna go with Jan Montero. I whoa, think whoa. <laughs> I <laughs> I'm buying I'm buying enough of him as a playmaker and being able to knock down open shots off Luca enough that I just, I'm going to take him because I don't like anyone else on the board right now. Like Blake Wesley, I I don't, I don't buy his shooting at all right now. Like Kendall Brown, Kennedy Chandler, I'm not sure.
0: So I'm, I'm going to go with him. I'm stunned. Roker. I need you to talk. Well, so Alex, I'm 27th I, on my
2: board. I'm still holding stock in him.
0: Wow.
1: Um, well, um, no, I mean, I take back everything I said about you being smart. So, <laughs> okay. Well, no, this is good. We needed this, Metcalf. So, yeah. everyone listening, buckle down. We needed this. Okay. All right. Um, you got to – we need a little bit more. You got to talk to us about Jan. Because me and Metcalf have been public about, like, we have him very low. Where are you – Metcalf, where do you have
0: him? Um, I haven't – 42. I'm even lower. 52.
1: Oh, wow. So, so I have a bunch of capital that I want to use on stocks. (laughs) Give me to buy on Jan Montero.
2: All right. So watch the international tape and throw out the overtime elite tape.
1: I will say that is the only thing that's keeping me (laughs) holding on. I, I agree. Okay.
2: So he was actually like a pretty decent defender at the international level like he was really disruptive has really active hands gets a ton of steals uh showed actual effort on defense i think the overtime elite situation is just like it was just playing like aau again so it was kind of like a reset year for him i think he's a better shooter um he takes his shot selection will need to change no doubt about that but playing alongside luca he's not going to have those Amazed, like a million, like on-ball reps for him to take all those stupid shots. So him knocking down spot-up shots off of Luca, I think he'll be able to do that no problem. Yeah, and you know, I think just overall, like it's just really how the the board kind of shaped out. Like I could have gone like a wing shooter, but I feel like they have a couple guys already in the fold. I'm not sure how many minutes that they would get. Um, You know, obviously if they keep Brunson, then I probably wouldn't have gone this route at all. I probably would have taken like Proshita or something. Um, but, you know, go for the swing, you know. Then I think Dallas likes some international guys. So got to have some international guys in fold here late in the first.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the thing with Dallas is they've, they've always had such a good history with um, international scouting. They usually have like a very strong international department. Um I haven't stayed up this year with their names. I'm trying to do it while talking, but there's too many names to look at because I just pulled up the media guide and there's 900 names. So I'm not going to go through this. Um, but if, they, if they're if they buying Montero, then that's going to be the spot where they might just jump all over them. Um, it wouldn't surprise me because that would be very telling. But I, I, I agree with Alex when it's like, you watch the international tape and then you watch the overtime, it's two different worlds. Like the international one, you get excited because he, he makes some passes that I'm like, my goodness, like how you fit. Like that's tight of a window, and he's throwing them before the guys are even turning their heads, like his teammates. So he has that vision. Um, well, it'll be interesting. Dang it. Now, Alex, now I got to watch Montero <laughs> International film tonight after the finals. Gosh.
2: Thank you, Insta. Yeah, thank you. It's
1: that. Shout out Instat. Oh, that threw me for a curve. That's why I'm here. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> doing I boring I love it. No, <laughs> so I do like it because we've needed to talk about Montero, so this is perfect. Um, wow. Okay. Should we just end I, it? No. <laughs>
0: yeah, so that, that, that's all, folks. Um, uh, no. So I, I, I I'm going to keep it a little weird at 27 with the Miami Heat. Um, I'm going to get on my conspiracy corner. And go Caleb Houston. I what think are we he... doing here? Oh,
1: no! We're all over the place. No, oh, come back to reality. No. But what happened? Did Space Jam, did the aliens take our talent? What's going on?
0: No, so I, I, I'm on Conspiracy Corner here, and I, I think Juwan Howard is using his Miami connections to get his guy who underperformed um, a promise with a team that he has a lot of ties to and sold them on the basketball IQ, the it just being a down year for his shooting, um, And I like the and and Caleb has shut everything down. Like, we thought Ty Ty was quiet. There's even less on Caleb. Um, there's no videos, there's no leaks. I, you know, he didn't even do like a big announcement, at least that I saw, that he was staying in the draft. Um, he's just kind of going through the motions and he just kind of announced that he was in the draft early and was planning on staying in the draft really early. So, I think he has a first-round promise. I'm not sure that he did enough to necessarily deserve one with his play at Michigan this year. Um, I'm still holding a little bit of stock on him. But, yeah, I'm I'm going conspiracy theory here.
1: Would you stop it with the
2: insider trading? I'm worried that (laughs) the the feds are going to come after you.
0: Well, if you'd stop
2: bringing it up. I thought this was what would you do, Mock, not what we have insider info on. we really shifted quickly to the what would you do to the what we think might. That's happen. probably my fault. I probably just I pushed <laughs> my brain into a million pieces. And... Um, I have them I mean, at I'm forty-two, all... so I'm lower on Houston.
0: Yeah, I have them at forty-one on my board. So, like, it's definitely not best player available. I, I'm just I'm just getting a, lo- a little weird with the back end of the first round because I I I think that I would be surprised if Houston. Stayed this quiet and stayed in the draft without a first round promise. No,
2: that yeah. makes sense. I, but I uh, he even, like invited to the combine, was it? Or like,
0: yeah, he, he did get invited, he turned Oh, he just declined. Okay, yeah, right. yeah, which, which like never, never happens never, yeah, unless yeah, you're never, like you're yeah. a top guy, like you're the surefire top pick, and you know, just yeah. like, nah, I'm good, okay. yeah, yeah. And I still don't believe, like, people were
1: like, oh, maybe we said this before on another pod. Like, people were like, oh, that might be OKC at 30. And I was like, I don't think you're turning down a, a combine for 30. Like, it has oh. to be higher. I don't know. It's it's crazy. This mock draft is drunk. Call over. <laughs> um, okay, I'm up. Yeah,
0: Warriors at 28.
1: Um, I'm going to take Christian Brown. I'm going to get them another locker room presence that knows how to play winning basketball it's a pretty easy pick i like um, him i like this pick a lot better than the previous two so
2: i was gonna say he brought us back down to like uh, 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 with, level with, you with, a boring, with a boring like role player pick like God. plug and play three and d guy it
1: would know. be perfect for the warriors they yeah, just get another i mean he'd be great for them but you know they probably won't take him. they'll take Something crazy. I was about to just get the complete trifecta of chaos and just say Blake Wesley, let's just get this over with. Oh
0: no. Oh no. Uh
1: Metcalf, should I mention that I watched Wesley the other day and I was like, uh oh, I'm starting to get intrigued.
0: Oh god. Uh, we'll, we'll save that for another day. I, I I don't have enough bandwidth for that right now. Uh, um at 29, the Memphis Grizzlies. Alex, who you got?
2: Well, speaking of Blake Wesley, no, I'm not going to say <laughs> uh, I do like Blake Wesley, but I don't like the fit at all. Um, I'm going to go with Gabriel Prashida here. Love uh, it. <laughs> Getting Memphis another big wing defender who could shoot, I think just makes a ton of sense for them moving forward. They already have their point guard of the future. They already have their big man of the future. So just get as many wings in the door who could play both ways. Um, you know, kind of an easy plug and play pick here.
0: Yeah. And Rucker and I have made our Gabriel Fichita love known for quite some time. I love that fit. Um, yeah. At number 30, the thunder who we previously went, Chad Holmgren, Jeremy Sawhan. Um, I'm going to go with the guy who I think is actually going to go a lot earlier than is going to surprise a lot of people, um, on draft night. And that's Max Christie. Um, I think Christie announcing that he was staying in the draft well before the deadline, I think is a sign that he got some very positive feedback at the combine. Um, I have him at 19 on my board. I'm just buying the talent. I'm writing about him for Friday's piece at over at no It's free. Just hit that subscribe button while you're there. Um, and I, I think he's a really good defender. I think the shooting numbers aren't a good, Great reflection of how good of a shooter he will be long term. So, a bit of a project needs to slow the game down mentally, but I really like just the the, the versatility he'll he'll provide down the road.
1: Boy, if, if, if OKC left with Chet, Sohan, and Max Christie, Sam Presti would be a dangerous animal at the bars that night. So, <laughs> it's a solid uh, haul. Yeah, that's a good haul. It's a great haul, especially with picks all over the board. But It's a good one. We got a little crazy at the end, but I like this mock because it's just it's different. It's chaotic and it you know changes things up a little bit. We don't need to have the same
0: Johnny Davis to the Wizards every single time. Please no. Um, Before we sign off, uh, were there any surprises for you guys? Names that we didn't mention? Names that fell farther than you think they should have or will on draft night? Hmm. I think Hmm.
2: Jalen Duren going seventeen. I don't think. Mm -hmm. That will happen. I think he'll be a lottery pick. Um,
0: Agreed.
2: Kind of of surprised. Well, not with the two Tylers on, but that Blake Wesley didn't get a first round, uh, get his name selected here. I haven't met. Yeah, wait, wait. wait, wait. Okay. Um, But I just didn't like the fit with really the the teams that I had in in the late 20s. I liked some other guys better. So it just didn't work out.
1: Can you tell me,
2: excuse me, I'm
1: trying to say this question smart. Um, so let me oh God, might take a while. <laughs> what's what's our favorite Blake Wesley fits? If he I think he's going in the first first round. I know we've done a lot of mock drafts where we didn't have him in the first round. I have said just because I haven't projected him to any first round team, I still think he's gonna go in the first round. But I just am trying to find a fit. Because I'm like, I'm like Alex, like when he gets to 20 and he's not he hasn't been selected yet. I it gets ugly. I don't love the fits anywhere. Um,
2: I think maybe Miami, maybe Miami can get the most out of him. They already have shooting. They have Jimmy Butler who, you know, in the playoffs, he's like a super on ball creator, but during the regular season, uh, you know, he's hurt from time to time. So that could open up some on ball reps for him. Um, He is a good defender. So I think he'd buy in to that side of the ball with, with Miami and, you just hope they can develop in and develop that shot a little bit better. Um, So that would be kind of one of my fits that I liked in kind of the, the back end of the first.
1: If I told you, Alex, you had to go into the lottery and you had to pick a, the perfect team. Yeah, here we go. Now you, you thought this was going to be a relaxing mock draft. Now it's the torture <laughs> chamber. Yeah. I said, Blake Wesley goes yeah. in the lottery. Where do you, where do you think would be his best,
0: Fit, I'd say Cleveland.
2: Yeah, probably Cleveland. You could play defense, add defense to like Garland's offense. So they could play off of each other. I would be a little concerned about the overall floor spacing if you're going to start him alongside like a Coro and yeah. and the the two bigs. I mean, yeah, other like Washington at ten, like playing with Bradley Beal, you kind of get both six five dynamic guards who can shot create and do a little bit of playmaking each. But outside of that, nothing really popping off the page.
1: Cause if he, if he, if that buzz about him in the lottery is true, I'm trying to figure out who is it, who is the believer. And I, I do think Washington's the name that I'm not picking on wizards fans, but I just think that's the name that where it's like, maybe they're buying. So that's all I had to ask.
0: All right. Anything else guys? No. Thoughts, burning questions. Can, we get, a, can we get a
2: game one prediction from Rucker in the finals? For
0: um,
1: I like Boston tonight. I do not like them in game two. There you go.
2: Okay.
1: I I think Boston will be pumped up, fired up. I I also am just horrified of Curry hitting his first three <laughs> shots. Um, but I I think Boston's dealt with boston's road was really brutal to get there um i could just see it being a, like it's it's gonna be an awesome series i really do think it's gonna be a fascinating like matchup but um i could see the the celtics defense being a little bit of like a oh, okay this is this is another animal compared to going against the mavericks and stuff like that but you know as i say this people will hear this tomorrow and the celtics lost by 30 and <laughs> i'll be crying for a week well that's that's why i asked i wanted to no i don't it want that <laughs> um i don't know it's gonna be a great series i think it's gonna be some really good basketball I, I do so what do you guys think yeah let's let's, let's i hear mean it. we're due we're due
2: for a good series it has to be you know close games game seven at least six games give me six good basketball games
1: I, give me a game one prediction, both of you. Oh, game one, uh, Celtics plus four.
0: Yes. I got good. Warriors double digits and Warriors and six. Wow.
1: Oh. We are now looking for a new co-host <laughs> of no ceilings. Oh, are you quitting? No. No. <laughs> you turn in your playbook. Um, no, I mean, uh, that's all I got. I'm going to go sweat and pace around the room until tip-off. But, I mean, you know, it's on ABC or ESPN, which – it says tip's going to be six o'clock um, my time, which really means it'll be like 20 minutes after that because thanks CSPN. But I'm excited. Um, thanks Alex for coming on and doing this. This is a good yeah. one. I like this. This is a, a fun yeah, little exercise. Good. Also for everyone, I'm just going to plug it right now. as my goodbye. Thank you for everyone that's bought the draft guide and gotten our merch and everything at no ceilings NBA.com. It's been awesome we were just so pumped. So that's all I got to say. Drafts in 21 Absolutely. days. No big deal. Alex, go ahead
0: plug away. Thank you for your time.
2: No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, appreciate everyone for the support with the draft guide and the merchandise, um, you know, couldn't do it without you. So yeah, go follow me on, on draft film school You know, all my work at the no
0: ceilings uh,
2: crew. So, you know, that's pretty much all I got to plug.
0: All right. Well, once again, I'm Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at Team Metcalf11. And like these guys said, thank you so much for the support that you've given us. Um, It's been incredible. The draft guide and our merchandise is now for sale at noceilingsnba.bigcartel.com. The link will also be in the description of the podcast. Um, You can find all of our written work at noceilingsnba.com. It's 100% free. If you subscribe, it gets delivered directly to your inbox to make sure that you do not miss our daily publishing. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at No Ceilings NBA and on YouTube at No Ceilings TV. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five star rating. Till next time, see ya.